0: Hello everyone and welcome to Everyday Linux episode 219 and a happy gnome year. Recorded December 13th, 2015 and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining me this week, uh, one in present uh, in person and one via ghostly presence, are your your hosts, the, the command line godfather, Chris Neves, and Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, Seth. Hello, Mark. And
1: here we go. Ho, 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 man. Mer- Merry Christmas! Yes,
0: Please. this is uh, this should be coming to you on December twenty third, the day before the night before Christmas, um, and uh, we are recording it early. We're recording it about ten days early so that we don't have to be recording on the week before Christmas. Uh, uh Chris has promised us a, a an in depth review of not a distro but of GNOME itself. The KDE guy. Is going to give us a an honest and in-depth review of Gnome. So uh, we're going to play that in just a little bit. Uh, but first, I just want to say thank you to um, something that happened. I'm a fairly emotional guy uh, by nature. I, I laugh big and and I cry big all at the same time. Uh, and a uh, member a member of this audience, uh, please let me preface this by saying I'm not I'm not asking for other people to do this i'm expressing heartfelt gratitude not begging for more a member of this audience sent me um a gift a christmas gift um it was an amazon gift card uh and it just said thanks for the show and that i literally teared up uh because that's that was powerful to me and i'm I'm not going to say his name because he didn't give me permission to uh but i'm just going to say thank you to uh to the guy who did that um and it just um it touched me in a way that, that you don't know. I mean, we, we do this and I, and I often say that I do this for you and we do it because we love it, but to know that, that you get enough value out of it and that you consider me A friend right every week i'm here in your ear holes uh and i'm talking to you and that's a very intimate relationship that that we the podcaster and you the podcast listener have and and i don't i don't take that for granted and i just i really appreciated the gift thank you for that um and just you know that's all all i wanted to say
1: no that's awesome i i love that people enjoy us enough to you know respond and give back to us in ways that's just really cool and we do thank you
0: what what i set out low these many years ago to do was not to create a show that is entertainment but to create a relationship with my listeners and and i think that i'm i'm achieving that if not have achieved that i i don't think that's something you can ha- come to the end of uh, i think it's an ongoing process and i appreciate that and i just wanted to mention that um, so now, uh, having done that, let's do the commercial business of doing an ad for DigitalOcean, our, our sponsors, uh, for this week's show there. <laughs> the, we do this, um, for you and your, uh, gratitude is, is wonderful, but these guys help keep the lights on. So digitalocean.com, uh, virtual server hosting, uh, uh for, you know, for the cost of, Less than the cost in some cases of shared server hosting. So if you don't know what a virtual server is, uh, you probably shouldn't be listening. That's not true. Uh, but by now you should know that, uh, virtual, it's a virtual machine, right? It's, it's the next best thing to owning your own piece of hardware in a data center somewhere. Uh, uh, digital ocean has a data center, multiple data centers, and they give you a virtual machine on one of their real machines using KVM. So the performance is as close to bare metal as you can get. Uh, and they're really high powerful machines hex core processors ECC ram all the storage is is ssd it's all raid uh redundant uh RAID, raid means that you it's very difficult for you to lose data they they have the the you can choose which data center you have it in and you can move it so um if you move and you want your data center to be closer to you you could just shut down your machine pop it over to a different data center um and and their their focus is on reliability and performance and speed Speed is a big thing for them, Uh, so fast, in fact, that you can spin up an, an entirely new machine. You can go from, I'm thinking about having a server, to I have a server in less than a minute. And that server is not just uh, a, a a command prompt looking at you, okay, you've got a Red Hat Enterprise Limits or uh, probably a CentOS server staring at your face. Now what are you going to do with it? You can actually get it preloaded with stuff. You can have a full LAMP stack. You can have Drupal. You can have WordPress. You could fire up your own WordPress server in less than a minute with literally the click of a button. It's there. It's done. You click a button. You wait 53 seconds and you're there waiting to log on to your own WordPress and you can speak to the world on your own server. That's powerful. And that kind of power often doesn't come cheap. But at DigitalOcean, uh, you get high high level performance, uh, amazing power at a bargain basement price $5 a month you can get started for as low as $5 actually you can get started for as low as nothing I'll tell you more about that in a minute but their basic service $5 a month is a, a half a, a gig of RAM a single core processor 20 gigs of uh, SSD and a terabyte of transfer every month that's a lot uh, for your basic uh Uh, blog server, whatever you want to do. So, um, the next step up is a gig of RAM, a single core processor, 30 gig. You can go all the way up if, you know, if you want to spend hundreds of dollars a month, you can do that. They have options for you. They're flexible and you can, you can, you can change, uh, pretty easily. You can, you can upgrade and downgrade as your capacity, uh, demands but you can get started uh, for nothing if you use the code everydaylinux when you sign up they'll give you a $10 credit so you, for you can spend uh, 2 months on the $5 server or 1 month on the $10 server or half a month on the $20 you get the math there uh for, but the, but they'll let you try it out for free. They believe in their product so much and I believe in their product for you for you so much that I'm giving I'm putting my name to it. Um and so you can try it for at no cost. They, they don't require a credit card before signing up. I made sure uh that I could do that before I signed up. They, they you don't have to to link anything. You get your credit, you try it out uh and then if you like it, then you link a credit card, then you pay for it uh and then you go on and I think you're going to like it. Uh, it's high performance. It's high speed. It's high reliability at a low cost. That's a lot of highs and, and the most important low. So check them out, digitalocean.com. Use the code everydaylinux when you sign up. That'll let them know that you heard about it here and you'll get that $10 credit free. Try it out, digitalocean.com. Thanks for supporting the show, digitalocean, and, uh, for helping us keep the lights on. Thank you. All right. And so now without further ado, let's listen to Chris's comments on GNOME 3.
2: Good evening, everyone, and this is my little review and thoughts on the GNOME 3 and the GNOME project. So, to start things off, a little background about myself, in case people haven't been listening or they live on a rock or, I don't know, anything. GNOME 3 is a desktop environment similar to, say, KDE uh, or even the Windows desktop, uh, but they have gone pretty far away from it now. Uh, GNOME, The GNOME project has decided to go to a more, I don't want to say Macintosh look, but a more uh, easier to use interface, or at least that's what they're going for. Uh, they pride themselves by getting things done with ease, comfort, and control. Now, yes, it does look a lot different, but there's a lot of things that are still the same. Um, there's still a Windows button or a Windows menu or a, a application menu if you're used to it, but it's changed a little bit. Now it's got a search dialog box and not just a search dialog box, but it also gives you a list of your favorites or commonly used frequent applications. Uh, the icons are nice and big and bright, and they do do a very good job of indicating of what they are. So like the Rhythmbox program has a speaker and uh, similar things of that sort. Uh, but it does a very good job of trying to find a simpler way of getting to the applications that you use commonly. So you can either make them favorites or you can search for them. There is a way to categorize the application menu, uh, but it, it's kind of redundant because once you pop into the activities window, you can just t- start typing, you know, a couple of letters and you'll probably find your application faster with the quick search than you can with a categorized. The other thing that they do is they try to keep everything to look the same or to look similar or to to match this bubbly type world that the GNOME project is trying to get into, um, they do a great job. Uh, they do keep their applications looking similar no matter what application you're launching. Be The only exception to that would be Chrome. Uh, Chrome still looks more like the Windows CounterPoint than the GNOME uh, environment, but that's Chrome. Uh, they do have an interesting thing, and I haven't seen it on any other desktops yet, where they integrate a lot of their or a lot of your cloud-based uh, applications into the network, or into not network, into the desktop. So, for example, you can integrate your Google credentials, and then have your mail, calendar, contacts, etc., all built in functional inside of the GNOME experience. So, your calendar app in and uh, your calendar at the top of the screen will automatically have in all of your events that are coming up throughout your month, depending on what you have listed in your Google Calendar. Uh, A great feature, something I wish it would come to KDE a little more cleanly. Um, This was basically point-click, silly, simple, uh, and a great job integrating at least the Google environment into your GNOME system. Uh, Very impressed with that and i really do like the fact that once you type it into one location it auto fills and auto configures all the other places so evolution is already set up and ready to go it already has all your contacts uh, that and i'm i'm very very impressed with that it also allows you to bring in other cloud based uh, or internet based sites such as facebook or pocket uh, other things that once you have them in, configured into your GNOME 3 environment, it does a great job of working with it. Uh, I'm very impressed. The, I, I will tip my hat to the GNOME people. They did a great job getting that all integrated in. Uh, didn't realize what I was missing over in KDE when it comes to that that level of integration. Very impressed. Uh, some of the things that they also do is they bring a lot of things all into one house. So a lot not very long ago when the linux community decided to change from their original versions of uh, taking care of audio and moving over to the new pulse audio system uh it, it broke a lot of applications and it made a lot of people have headaches the job that gnome has done with the pulse audio has done a great job of simplifying and streamlining all of the different applications and sources that you can have audio in or out of. The only thing I have a, a kind of a problem with when it comes to the sound system is it's very broad. There's no way to do very very fine tunings of say if you wanted your Firefox to have a certain volume level or your Skype to have a certain volume level. There really isn't any way to to singularly select things and down play them or upplay them um, like you can in the KDE environment. Uh, not a big deal, but when you have, well, let's see, one, two, five, five different inputs and outputs on your computer, such as we use for the show and I have for all my different things that I do on my computer, um, it kind of gets into a, into a problem where you have to, think and go back in and go okay did I set this volume level for this device because it's more device centric instead of application centric um, not a big deal but it's definitely one that if you're used to one way and you come over it's, it, and it totally makes you have to rethink how you're working things um, let's see where else did I want to go um, when it comes to browsing the network uh, they've Added, they've gotten away from Na- Nautilus and used this new or newer front end and it's called Files. It's kind of the step up from uh, Nautilus and now it's kind of mainstreamed and has a lot of nice features built into it. Um, and it also does a great job of scanning networks. So if you're in a Windows centric network, you can use it to scan into it and find out well what's all out there um so if you're trying to map drives or map network locations uh, this files program does a pretty decent job uh finding things and streaming there and then setting them up as close to automatic as they can uh the other thing that's interesting is if you set up your google account it automatically ties your google drive into a location that you can then see in files um For me, it was kind of slow for the initial setup. So it did take a long time for them to come in, but it was there and it did work. Uh, I was very impressed with it. I, I can't wait to see how they can get that optimized and make it a little quicker for people that have large drives or large, um, cloud based connections. I also wish they would add some of the online, uh, some of the online Accounts for say cloud storage, so your Amazon, your Dropbox, your copy.com. It'd be nice to see uh, integration with files and all of those different locations, or at least a plugin centric type, you know, where you can say, I want the Dropbox plugin, but I don't want copy, or I don't want Amazon, but I want, you know, some cloud-based system for file storage. It'd be really cool to see those things start populating in and giving you the ability to tie to those uh, web sources. Uh, I know it'd make my life a lot easier if they did, uh, so I'll have to keep an eye out and see if they start integrating Dropbox or any of the other more cloud-drive-centric type accounts. Um, I'm really hoping they do. I'll be really... It'll be hard for me not to want to switch if they can start getting some more of those cloud centric applications bundled into the environment. Uh, At this, at the time of the recording, I didn't find anything for Dropbox or copy.com other than the manual installs of the applications, which isn't a big deal. But if you're going to go as far as allowing us to get to Google Drive and Google, the Google contacts, uh, in Gmail and all that stuff as a as a point click easy thing there's no reason not to so I guess I should talk a little bit about the gnome project in general um, it's an interesting project I've been around in and out of the gnome project uh, as a you know outside source looking in They do have a interesting relationship with most of the Linux people. Um, they kind of try to roll their own solutions and do their 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 thing and not kind of do any cowtailing to any of the large distributions when it comes to the features they wanted to turn on uh, i was very shocked when they moved away from the gnome th- from gnome 2 and into this giant gnome 3 change it, it blew me away that they did this. Uh, and the fact that they've actually been able to keep people, uh, users involved in their project shows that they really care about the people. Um, that's one of the things that they actually cr- have a credo on for their, on their website is that they, they're people focused, which is cool. Um, I'm hoping that they listen to their community and keep moving forward because I do see GNOME 3 becoming a, or the Gnome Shell project becoming a juggernaut, I just don't think it's there yet. There's a lot of things that it needs to do in order to win back the people that it lost to the lighter environments or the um, KDE environment. Um, They changed the the desktop paradigm. And because it's such a change, it does take a little bit to get used to. So I think that the Gnome 3 guys are doing a great job. I really can't wait to see what they do in the future. Uh, I'm currently running it on both my testing my test uh, virtual machines and my main desktop and my laptop. Um, I do have my other environments on in case I get irritated and want to go back. But at this point, I'm going to stay in Gnome for a little bit longer to see if it, if I can get my head around all of it or if it ends up, uh, just irritating me to the point where I go back to my other environments. Uh, so far, there's only been a couple of days where I was chewing my fingers off when using it. But, uh, once I've started playing around in the extensions tab or the gnome extensions, uh, I found a lot of things that really were irritating me. Did a quick job of fixing those irritations. Uh, so definitely if you've are having troubles with GNOME or if it's not acting the way you want it to, go over to GNOME Extensions and see if maybe somebody's built a extension that you can install that will fix that. Um, it's been a surprisingly amount of things that are in there uh, to integrate different things here and there. Uh, definitely take a look at it. Very impressed. Uh, will I make it my permanent desktop? I don't know. Uh, Am I impressed with the guys that are and gals that are working through GNOME 3? Yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the GNOME project for the near future, and maybe eventually, maybe they'll get me to come back. Who knows? But I do know that I've been rambling on now for about 15 minutes. I'm sure no one wants to hear it anymore, so I'm going to sign out. Thanks for letting me be away, guys. The family kind of demands me to be around when they demand. So again, thanks everybody. I'll see you guys next week and have fun.
0: And Seth isn't going to pretend to have listened to it. Uh so I will <laughs> well, I I had it. this thing
1: all set up. Oh, I was going to say that was so over my head, I'm not going to pretend to have heard a word you said. So
0: <laughs> even better. Uh so uh, I did listen to uh, to it before the show, not all of it, uh most of it. It's um uh, but amazingly, the KDE guy the guy who lives and breathes by KDE and who, when, when uh, Gnome 3 first came out, hated it, hated, would, would spit when you mentioned it, had some pretty positive things to say about Gnome 3. Now, they've, they've been around for a few years now. They've had a chance to work some bugs out. Uh, so there you go. Chris doesn't hate Gnome 3. That's pretty amazing. I remember That's a Christmas miracle.
1: It is. It's a, it's a festivist miracle. I remember when Gnome 3 first came out and I tried to install Fedora and I was just like, what the heck is this crap? How do you do anything other than turn on the computer? So they have come a long way. So I'm, I'm glad that they made the journey and didn't stop back there.
0: And I'm not going to say that GNOME had anything to do with it because I don't know what it did, but the world is moving all in that direction, right? Um, it, Windows 10, this box I'm looking at in front of me, um, is moving more toward the doc style. There's a search box at the bottom where you search for both apps and, uh, internet data. That, that was sort of one of the, the things about GNOME three was it was search to find what you need. Uh, and we're not going to have the, the file menu at the top anymore. Um, and you know, we as people don't like change. And when for 20 years we'd had a file menu at the top of the screen for Mac users or a start button at the, the bottom left of the screen for Windows users, we, we kind of didn't want to, to change that. Uh, but GNOME 3 stayed the course and uh, they, they, I don't know that I'm not ready to say they've given it. I'm not using it yet. I'm still using, uh, cinnamon on my machine, um, which is sort of a, a backdated, uh, gnome two-ish in a gnome three environment. I'm not ready to make that plunge yet. Uh, but it's nice to know that, that we are all moving towards, um, Unity, not the Unity desktop, but Unity of of design. Uh, for for whatever reason that the thing that I have bemoaned many times before, the tabletification of the OS, I've just dis- decided that's going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. I don't have to like it, but I do have to accept it. Uh, we're moving toward a touch-based interface, even on machines that won't be touched. Uh, so, and and that's my complaint about the GNOME 3 and Unity both. But you know, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. And, uh, George Lichtenberg, um, I can't even pronounce his last name because, you know, I barely speak English. I cannot say whether things will get better if we change. What I can say is we must change if they are to get better. So, right. you know, I guess, guess if we're not going to have Windows XP forever, then we are going to have to go in some new direction and we can't get to something better if we don't leave what we have. So alas. The file system I grew up and loved, I guess,
0: uh, <laughs> it's got something right
1: there. Yeah.
0: And the, the world loves a dock. Docks have been around for a long time, um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, you know, most people on Windows use the desktop like a dock. They have the handful of kinds, icons they like to use the most uh, handily available to, to them. So, you know, it is what it is. But there you go. Chris's review of GNOME 3. Um, that, that's really, that's it for the Linux part of the show. Uh, as I said, this is the release before Christmas. We're recording it early so that we can have that time off. I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about what is Christmas? What does Christmas mean to you? You, if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, if you, if you're just not into Christmas and you want to turn this off now. Go ahead. You've heard the major content of the show. You won't break my heart. We'll see you next week. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a, uh, a Southern Baptist conservative white guy, uh, who grew up with, uh, giant plastic pipe cleaner, cleaners in my living rooms, uh, every year. And I, I know what, you know, what Christmas means to me. I just thought we'd talk about it a little bit. So, Seth, I'm going to let you start. What, what does Christmas mean to you? What is Christmas to you?
1: Well, you know, I mean, as I'm older, I understand the reason of the holiday. And sometimes I cause arguments at work because I say, you realize that Christmas wasn't originally a Christian holiday. And then they like, you know, don't talk to me. Um, but, um, so, you know, I, I understand all that, but when I was growing up, Christmas was really all about family. Like there was this and I remember it broke my heart. Um, you know, mom would decorate the tree and I would help her and I was super, I love decorating the tree and the inside of the house. Um, but we had these four birds and they're like antiques now because they're super old. And there was one for each of us kids and we got to place those wherever we wanted to on the tree. And I remember the first year because I'm like very much younger than all my other brothers. They kind of grew up together and then I was the other child. Um, so, uh, I remember the first year that not everybody came home and we didn't get to do that. And, you know, something happened then. Um, and Christmas is really, it's never been the same since then, but we had the biggest house of all of my, my cousins and stuff. And so Christmas was at our house and. I know this sounds stupid, but the thing I loved was the kids would eat on the stairs because, you know, the table in the dining room and the front room and everything was there were so many people that the 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 youngest kids ate on the steps. And so I remember eating on the steps for both Thanksgiving and Christmas. And to me, that was just the coolest thing ever. I know, you know, as an adult, you say that eating on the steps at Christmas was one of the best events. Uh, of the day, you know, I mean, presents are cool, but you know, as a kid and it was because, you know, you're, you're not going to have a plate of food sitting on the steps. Your parents would never let you, but for Christmas, there was literally nowhere else to sit and it was just so cool. You know, all the family was there and wasn't as much snow in East Texas for Christmas, maybe once or twice there was snow on the ground, but you know, a lot of times it really wasn't even jacket weather. It was just, you know, you were, you were playing with your toys and you were playing with your cousins that you didn't see a lot. Um. But so it was about, it's family and fun and presence and fellowship, you know, and then as I got older, I learned, you know, it's about Jesus and what he did for us and we're celebrating his birth and that is awesome and that's what Christmas means to me today. But as a kid, it was really about the presence and the food and the family and eating on the steps. That,
0: you know, and, and holidays, every every culture needs a holy day, a, a day where they Set aside this day to be holy. Holy meaning separate. It doesn't doesn't have to be a religious connotation to the word holy. We have to have these days, and and Christmas hasn't always been that big a deal. You know, you go back just a couple hundred years ago, maybe, uh, you know, uh, late seventeenth century England, uh, Christmas was. You know, really, no more big a deal than columbus day um we we americans and and to a lesser extent Western Europeans uh sort of made Christmas the big thing as it is because we needed something to cling onto, and for all of those things, that's all fine. I love that. I love the fact that we build traditions one of the first things my wife and I got married in December uh and one of the first things we did was start um intentionally creating. Christmas traditions that that we would carry out with our family. So th- these things are touchstones throughout history, right? It, the, what you remembered there, that's a, a communal memory that all of your cousins share and and wherever you go in life, however old you get as you expand your own families, that communal touchstone will always be there. And I think that's the importance and, and people who want to poo-poo Christmas because this or that and, and they want to make it, you know, the holidays, whatever I there There needs to be a day, and you and I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we water those things down. Uh, there needs to be a, a day that is a, a communal touchstone um, for me, um I grew up uh very, very poor uh, Christmas was not about presents because you know we would often you know get we never got nothing, but it wasn't it wasn't the big bonanza of gift giving we just didn't have that you know and uh uh so it wasn't it wasn't that for me but it was you know the time when a, a fractious family got together and put aside their differences for at least a few hours uh and and that's important as i came as as i got older and as i got more into to my own uh, uh foundation and structure of my own faith uh, the religious connotations for me as a christian of, of christmas became very important and and yeah i like you said um so many of the things that, you know, the, the, the tree, the plastic tree in my living room is a completely pagan thing, it has nothing to do with Jesus in any way. Um, but we've Jesusified it, uh, by, we talk about the, the cross was made of wood and the tree represents, no, it doesn't. That's trying to churchify a thousand year old tradition. Stop it. Stop it, Christians. Stop trying to churchify stuff that isn't, you don't have to. You don't have to sanctify things just because you want to do them. It's okay to do things just to do them. Uh, a side tangent. Um, a cousin of mine many years ago was at my home. For Christmas, I was I was having a Christmas party, hosting it in my house, um, and she was looking at my music collection, and she saw in particular the Metallica S and M album, uh, which was the uh, San Francisco Orchestra and Metallica S um, and M, uh, and it was uh, it was a, a, an amazing a- album of really great work. And she commented on that. She's one of those people who uh, is very anti rock and roll in general, and she commented on it and said something to the effect of, "Why do you have this?" and i said cuz it's really good music and that's why i had it have it and she said so that that's that's enough for you uh yeah yeah it is if it's good music i buy the cd and then in, in her best intentions uh, of trying to correct the fellow brother in Christ, she went on about how she believes that music was created to glorify God and that any listening to any music that doesn't glorify God is, is listening to music that doesn't live up to its purpose and, and is demeaning to a Christian. And and I let her say her piece and said, So you've never sang the wheels on the bus go round and round to your child about it. Ha- happy birthday. You don't sing that when you blow out candles. You ever sang? pop goes the weasel or this old man none of those songs glorify christ in any way um so it's okay for you to make a choice about those songs but it's not okay for me to make a choice about metallica and that kind of ended that conversation and all further conversations of that nature but that's that's the way the 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 thing i take um again just getting fully religious here uh, uh, uh the apostle paul writing to his young friend Timothy in the first century uh told him to test everything and keep that which is good. So and I and I try to apply that to to music, to food, to to entertainment, to whatever. I test everything and I keep that which is good. Um it doesn't have to be religious to be good. There are there are a religious things that are good and a lot of the Christian uh, Christmas cultures are that. In my front yard now is a 10 foot snowman, inflatable snowman. That does not glorify Jesus in any way. But I'm totally okay with that. And I'm and I think were Jesus here, he'd be okay with it too. He'd look at that and go, that's funny, right there. And we'd have a good time about it. So uh Christmas to me is is two sided. It's that 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 societal touchstone of having a tradition of a family, because that's those are the two words that always go together, Christmas and family. It's the few times that 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 people will make an effort to get together and stop their arguing. It, sometimes it only lasts as long as the turkey does right as soon as the dinner is over the fire, the fight start but at least you made that effort and you got there and sometimes the epic trips over the river and through the woods to grandma's house are the stories that you remember not so much the big fight that your two cousins had at grandma's house um and then the other side of is the religious connotation it is the time when i choose to celebrate the the coming of my savior uh i i was born broken and in need of salvation And that salvation was offered to me before I was born in the form of Jesus. No, he wasn't born on December 25th. Uh, I don't care. We got to pick someday. That's the day I pick. One of my best friend's uh, birthday is December 24th. She doesn't celebrate on the day because she gets screwed out of presents. So she picks an unbirthday in June, and that's her day. So that's what we've done with Jesus. Happy unbirthday. I'm fine with that. So that's the sort of two-headed monster of Christmas to me. Seth, you were going to make a comment.
1: Yeah, well, you know, kind of keeping in the same vein of what you said, Paul also wrote about he became all things to all people so that he could win some. He wasn't out trashing culture and... What was so hard and I still find myself stuck there. Um, you know, I've, I've talked before about the various stages of Christian development and one of them that I noticed in me. Um, and it's actually a conversation you and I had in the lunch room or the break room at Montgomery. And I just made the offhanded comment that the Pope is the Antichrist. And I don't believe that, but. I call it the Pope is the Antichrist phase where you're this ultra-religious person who, if everybody were as holy as you, there would be no problems in the world. And at some point, you need to grow a frontal lobe and realize just (laughs) how stupid that thought process is. But it still rears its head. Whenever you're in conversations and you're telling people how the pagan, how pagan that Christmas tree is, or you can't listen to that music because it wasn't written by Michael W. Smith or Chris Tomlin um, or something like that. So you you've got to grow. And I'm saying you to me, not just to you, because, we, you know, we've had this conversation ad nauseum, but, you know, you've got to grow up. And you've got to mature in your faith. So, you know, just like Christmas is no longer about sitting on the stairs, you know, and putting the bird on the tree. All those, those are special things in my heart that, you know, nothing will ever take that from me. It's about more than that now. So must your faith be about more than what you first believed. You have to, you have to grow into your belief. So.
0: Yeah. And um, a, a religious relationship is no different than a marriage relationship. You start out passionate and fiery, and then over time the passion doesn't wane, but you're not baking out every 30 seconds, you know. And the the religious version of that is the guy who sh- shoves a, a chick track in your hands uh, in lieu of a tip at the restaurant. Don't do that, people. Don't do that. Give a tip and a track if you want to do that, uh, but for heaven's sake, don't give a tip that looks like a twenty dollar bill. Just don't. <laughs> Yeah, get one that looks like a hundred. That goes over yeah. much better with the waitress. That is the offline version of being a troll, is what you're doing right there. But you know, I think you're right. There's a there's a a, a thing that things go through, and it, as time goes on. Um, holidays, uh, change that. I, I, I wrote a, a blog post about this years ago, and I'm sure if you find, uh, if you do a search for my name and Pooh Bear, you'll find it because it's still out there. But my father-in-law gave to my family a, a giant eight-foot inflatable Pooh Bear sitting on a honeypot dressed as Santa. Um, and I hated it. It represented everything that is evil about Christianity, uh, or about Christmas, rather, the commercialism. There's no there was no Jesus in it, there was no religion in it. it was just commercialism, Disney getting their meat hooks into yada, and, and I was righteously indignant about this gift, but because he is my father-in-law, and I was brought up to respect my elders, I went out and I put it up in the front yard with the intention that as soon as he leaves, it's coming down. Uh, and so he, uh, you know, we, it was up there for a couple of hours. They were, um, headed off in there to pack up their, the wagon and, and, headed back out. And I put my coat on and was ready to go take that abomination down. And I looked over and my then 18 ish month old, uh, daughter, my, my oldest, uh, is looking out the bay window in the front, uh, uh, living room, waving at Pooh, going, Hi, Pooh, love who? And I thought, I can't. I can't do that i can't break my daughter's heart so i i lifted up and and i took it down uh after christmas And the next year i tried to pretend it wasn't there but the daughter remembered it and now the second daughter who'd never seen it uh because she'd heard about it was asking about it. so i went and put poo up so that became uh every year and and i um i didn't you know i hated that thing I didn't want to put it up, but every year I did because I love my kids more than I hated the abomination. Um, and so f- fast forward about five more years of this thing going up every year. My kids are now older, a little more conversant, and um, we're putting it up and, and I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. I'm trying to, we got the lights out, we're doing the tree, I'm trying to avoid the poo. And my my oldest says, mama, when, when are we going to put poo up? And I grumbled underneath my breath and gritted my teeth. And um, my wife said, your daddy doesn't really like poo. Um, and. Uh, and my daughter said i like it it reminds me of christmas and my my wife whose father had since died said i like it because it reminds me of my daddy and my heart broke and i realized that all this animosity this righteous indignation that i put through this thing that that is an inanimate object made by you know some seven-year-old chinese girl it's not evil it's not it's just a thing and I had lumped all that, like Ahab. If my chest had been a cannon, I would have fired my heart upon it. I hated it that much. And I realized that every time I spoke ill of it, every time I gritted my teeth about it, every time I grumbled about it, I was diminishing the memory of my wife's father. And that, that broke my heart. And, and that thing, I, went, I stopped immediately what I was doing. And I went out sobbing, not freezing on my face because it was cold outside, as I, as I put it up. And that thing went from being the object of my hatred to an honorable thing, thing that, something that I loved. And we patched that thing and we taped it and we tr- kept it going for as many years as we could. And finally, just last year, he could, he just, he couldn't do it anymore. He was too threadbare. He wouldn't even hold air. And so we packed him away and we gave him, you know, uh, an honorable burial in the dumpster. Um, and we went out and got the snowman that I'm talking about because that's the next thing. And so as I got older, I realized that that things aren't always what you think they are. And and oftentimes what you think is the least important thing of all the things around you. And and Christmas reminds me of that every year. As I lie to my children about a, a, a giant gnome from the North Pole, um, I realize that the thing that I'm doing, you know, I've become the thing that I hate, but I'm doing it because the people in my life that I love the most get joy from it. Uh, no comment. Yeah. good, good. I, yay i wasn't planning on telling that story it just it just came to me because that's what that to me is what christmas is about it's about um it's about loving people more than you love your own pet peeves
1: well i mean you know what's love is sacrifice so if you really love someone then you've put their needs above yours and yeah so, you know, I mean, there's a whole sermon in there that we could preach, but this right. isn't, you know, this isn't everyday Christianity. So,
0: yeah, and I'm sure a large portion of our audience has already turned us off and that's okay. Um, but if you want to talk to me about Krishna or uh, about, you know, your Hanukkah celebration, whatever, I, I will listen uh, and I will respect you and I may not agree with you. But that's another thing that I, I feel that Christmas is becoming. It's becoming the object of, of scorn because it's trendy to be scornful.
1: Oh, did, did you hear about how this um the Starbucks Red Cup is oh, an assault on Christmas? <laughs> and the whole right-wing blogosphere tried to generate that ire and passion because there were no snowflakes on it anymore. It was just the color red. And because it didn't have snowflakes, it was the war on Christmas yeah. rearing its ugly head. And I'm like, what? They changed the color. And you're I just like, oh, my gosh, people stop it, please. So it was uh, I just if you're somebody who got offended over the Red Cup, I'm sorry. And Get if you want to write in, you know, explaining why it is a war on Christmas, as long as you're not hateful or, you know, way too long. We'll, we'll give you equal time. So, you know, you, you do a nice, respectful you know, thing and you well, you know what I mean by respectful. We're pretty loose right here, but you know, <laughs> you get equal time. So if, if if is the red cup an assault on Christmas? Why?
0: All right, that's I. Seth, do you have any other comments about Christmas? No. Um, right. I mean, and-
1: you know, I don't have kids, so to me, the wonder of it isn't as much as it was um i'm someone who i enjoy giving stuff and so it's cool that i can give things during this season and people don't think i'm weird (laughs) so
0: you know it's it's one of the few times in in our um capitalistic greedistic country where generosity is celebrated oftentimes generosity is looked at as as what's when's the other shoe going to drop but at christmas you can be unabashedly generous and people are okay with it that's the nice thing about it. Uh, so that, that's it. That's our little spiel on Christmas. Uh, merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, enjoy December 25th. <laughs> be merry on that day. It happens to be Christmas Day on the calendar. Be merry, even if you don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, so having said all that, Seth, what happened this week in computer history?
1: okay this is going back in time uh december 23rd uh 1947 so the day this thing drops the transistor is first demonstrated at bell laboratories that happened this week in history
0: 1947 all right that that's uh that's a big deal (laughs) the entire modern age runs on transistors Uh, that guy won a nobel prize i think right
1: I you know, it the post I found didn't say who did it. It just it was first demonstrated. Yeah. So All right.
0: And following up on that, what is your show closing spectacular for the week? Okay. Well, this
1: is a list, so if you've got some time to kill, you can head on over to listverse dot com and take a peek at who they say are the top ten martial artists of Western film. Wesley so,
0: Snipes? Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean,
1: you know he's he's a martial artist, and you know if you see like a uh, blade, and uh, I can't remember some of the other movies he were in where he was like pretty. I mean, he much better martial artist than I am. See, so. I would
0: not, I would not put Jean Claude Van Damme below Steven Seagal personally. Anyway. Uh, well, Chuck Norris, uh, he he used to do some karate stuff, then he became an action guy. Anyway, sorry, yeah, but I'm arguing with it.
1: No, yeah, I don't understand how Jackie Chan is Western film, uh, but yeah, so I disagree with that. I, I don't know. I guess Bruce Lee weren't he, most of his things Hong Kong?
0: Um, well, he yeah, he he really only did one uh big budget ish uh, American movie. Well, he uh, was
1: also in the Green Hornet. I think that was yeah. American. But um, but yeah, so
0: yeah, okay, that's fun. Uh, I, I love me some some Kung Fu movies. Um, there are some guys here that I think belong on the list that aren't. Bolo Young's not on here, um, and I think he should be. Um, Jeff Speakman, I think, deserves to be higher than number 10, but uh, and Wesley Snipes. I don't know. I'm just not impressed with, with his stuff. Uh, I mean, if you're going to put Wesley Snipes on there, you could put Keanu Reeves on there, too.
1: Well, but here's the thing: uh, Wesley Snipes is a fifth Dan in um, Shotokan Karate and a second in Hapkido, so right.
0: he's a he's a legitimate. He's actually a guy who knows the stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah, he's a you know he's not somebody who just learned a couple of moves for film. He's somebody who could probably kick my behind.
0: Well, anybody uh, on this list could kick my butt. I fully yeah. recognize that. Um, in fact, Keanu Reeves as well could. I, I'm okay with with admitting that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my only hope of victory would be is if I could set on (laughs) him (laughs) somehow.
0: Get him to the ground and you win. All right, that's it. That's uh. Uh, in terms of chronology this is the last time that Seth you and I will speak together on these uh hallowed uh airwaves it's not airwaves internet waves this year uh the we do have one other show but it was pre-recorded uh merry christmas happy new year and we look forward to uh the next year to come where you can tell us all about what you expect to see on the geek rant podcast by going to elementop.com clicking the contact us button at the top of the page that will give you a nice uh, formatted form that you can fill out that go, gets priority in my inbox. It really is the, uh, the best way to do it. Second only unto that is using the Z cast app, which I check religiously. Um, uh, speaking of religion, um, to make sure there are nothing there. Uh, so check that out. I do encourage you to use that app. It is growing, and it's, it's getting better all the time. Uh, so anyway, we look forward to hearing you. It's been an amazing year, 2015. I look forward to even greater things in 2016. So I'm going to say that ends it for this wait, episode. Wait, wait. Wait, what'd I forget? You you have to th- You're never going
1: to say... Welcome to Everyday Linux. This is the last time we're, I mean, I know we've recorded one, right. but it's not going to be the Linux show that's not about Linux. So that was the last time we signed on as the Everyday Linux podcast. So just wow, it's it's the end <laughs> of the year and the end of an era. So uh granted, this isn't the last show that will be put out with that, that that will happen with the pre-recorded one, but it's the last time we've said that.
0: So. see i, I I'm, I'm seeing this as less of a momentous thing because it's it's just a name change. Uh, the show's going to be the show. Uh, but yeah, okay. I, I will I will bow for a moment of silence to the end of everyday Linux. Thank okay. You. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the new year. Uh, that ends it for for now for this podcast to be named later.